This is Larry Swartz, uh, Unity Minister, um, continuing with our series, uh, touching on the subject today in our sharing of Jesus and Christ. Thank you for being here with me. If anything can be said to be the point of distinct differentiation between my Unity affiliation and what might be loosely categorized as traditional Christianity, we find it here. Elsewhere, these two nouns, Jesus and Christ, are seldom separated by the word and and simply seen as Christ Jesus, or on rare occasion in the writings of the Apostle Paul, Christ Jesus. Even the possible thought of what it might mean to view each noun separately can be unsettling because of what it then might mean to the underpinnings of someone's belief system. For the initial thought then might be, are there two, Jesus and Christ? Well, yes and no. Let's explore. For without this understanding, amalgamated within the core of everything else that is shared within these sharings, a cornerstone of who and what we are in God and who and what God is as us will be infected. That might be a strong word to use in this context, but I don't think so. I use that word based on what could happen if a computer file is hacked by someone who then holds it hostage until money is sent and a restore code is furnished. It has similarities. Why? Well, if our core belief of the who and the what is infected by a belief system that accepts separation, uniqueness, and other totally untrue things, then our inner files, which I equate with consciousness, are somewhat skewed and hence not an unalloyed expression of the eternal truth about us and God. In other words, any existence of conflicted thought that is held in consciousness as a truth then becomes a very convoluted basis for everything else. Why? We cannot successfully compartmentalize the foundation of consciousness which then and always becomes our very life. Life is consciousness. Said another way, if there exists somewhere within consciousness an abject falsehood that has been nevertheless elevated to a level of truth, it is similar to attempting to always and everywhere throughout everything else in our lives make five the product of two plus two. You see, everything then becomes skewed. Let's approach this subject with an example. If a cornerstone of our belief system is Jesus as exception and not example, then we do not really understand the who and the what we are. And this erroneous belief infects everything else with unworthiness and similar. Initially and most importantly, I am so humbled by the historical Jesus and the insightful wisdom and blessing offered throughout his life and ministry. Nothing can take away from this, but an additional insight into Jesus and his stature can make it even better. So to restate my understanding of the one we often call elder brother, 
is one of example and not exception. If this represents a different thought to you, my hearer, or even something that has never been explored, to just now read these words, to just now listen to these words, is not sacrilegious. No bolt of lightning will strike as it is explored. What may happen is the birth of a different Jesus and a new awareness of a metaphysical aspect of your life. Example and not exception. So, exploring exception, what does it mean? Synonyms are exclusionary and omission. My concept, quote, understanding of God is found within the sharing by the same name as found within many words that are blended together as source, energy, first cause, certainly creator, and others. Then, and drawing upon the word spirit as purportedly was shared by Jesus and found in the Gospel of John 4.24, this activity of pure being, God, only knows its own identity and is therefore the pattern after which all creation is based. Then, as this is extrapolated, that same God identity must also be within each and all. And within the use of more Christian terminologies, this personalized God identity can be equated with the word Christ. Infinite intelligence, synonym for God, having but one pattern then, could not create levels of importance or ability, just one, and all are found therein. And this leads me to the inescapable conclusion that if just one pattern, then you also share along with Jesus the distinction of being acknowledged as the only begotten Son, of course, daughter. So what about John 3.16? that speaks to this. It reads, For God so loved the world that he even gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Well, I believe this was an understanding on the part of the author of this gospel to explain to the best of his understanding the uniqueness of Jesus that he wanted to emphasize and he chose to say it in this manner. The God idea within this reference is very anthropomorphic, as is most of the Bible. An unspoken belief in the need for sacrifice is evident, and this isn't cohesive with the understanding that is spoken to throughout this new look at an old God series. And I really do seek to be as consistent as I can within my own belief system and hence in what I share. So keeping consistent, let's look at another way of expressing what the writer of John wanted to share. And I'll keep the male pronoun. For God so loved the world that he gave his only idea of perfect life eternal and implanted it within each and all. A little different. Not a scapegoat or a victim of an angry God who obviously never got over the Garden of Eden and Eve's deliberate disobedience that even through it resulted in expulsion, still apparently stuck in the craw of the infinite and was at last 
mitigated with the suffering and death of Jesus. Now, does that really make sense? This is more specifically referenced in an upcoming sharing, The Bible, Metaphysics, and I. And that English is correct, as it is a compound subject. Back to our elder brother. To start with, the concept of the virgin birth didn't appear uh, until as late as the second century. Why? Well, to bring support to the uniqueness of Jesus, as well as to proliferate a belief that reinforced a hierarchy between this only son and the now established church theology that included the needful intercessory and his delegates between God and man. Using a fishing term, do now take the Bible literally, really sets the hook, as now within a hierarchical system, ordinary man is not only a sinful being, but redemption, a function of the church, that was being ever more specifically defined. I then propose that the scripture quote of only begotten son, again, is more accurately understood as only begotten idea. So, what if Jesus was conceived in a very normal way with Joseph, his physical father? In some writings, he is called Jeshua, Ben Joseph, meaning son of Joseph. I really do accept this is the way it happened. If his presence wasn't for the purpose of fulfilling the law, that a virgin birth wouldn't be the entrance of choice, if indeed even possible. I subscribe to the belief that he, like we, made his entrance into this life experience in a very time-honored fashion, and like so many, did so with a specific intention. To do and be what? To be evidence of example, not exception. If translated accurately, his words are evidence of this, saying that the things he was doing was but the threshold of what is available to each and all. You find that paraphrased in John 14:12. So the noun Christ is the name for an innate potential that is at the center and core of each and all expressions of the one. Adding a little humor, it isn't Jesus' last name, but is a recognized descriptive title that identifies one whose conscious connectivity with his or her God self is outpictured in ways that cause many to follow and trustfully also self-identify with the innate God idea of self that is within them. Christ is an anglicized version of Christos, which in Greek simply means and wonderfully means the anointed one. In other areas, again, the writings of Paul, the name now reads Christ Jesus, almost as if it was beginning to be accepted that Christ is a title and Jesus is the man. Then, what about salvation through Jesus, as so often is deemed required by a deity who must continue to see everyone within the lens of sinner? Well, listen to these words, dear friend. You, the listener, do not need salvation, for the real and true of you has never been lost. 
His message of insight and empowerment can be thought of to save us from choices that do not bring desired results, but even these do not rise to the level of being acknowledged as a sin and with all that implies. The writers of Mark and Luke, writing their gospel somewhere around 65 to 80 AD, brought in the teaching of the virgin birth, which isn't unique to stories found within other great people. Interestingly, nothing is seen within the published writings of the Apostle Paul that might speak to Jesus' birth and his virgin mother. Apparently, this was not an issue or a story circulating between people. Actually, the concept of the virgin birth didn't appear until as late as the second century and was obviously the product of church consuls that inserted it into Mark and Luke. Why? To bring support to the uniqueness of Jesus as well as to proliferate a belief that reinforced this hierarchy that existed between his only son and now established church theology that included the teaching of a needful intercessory and his priest-like delegates between God and man. Well, indeed, if you believe that, it sets the hook. Again, the scriptural quote of only begotten son is more accurately understood as only begotten idea. Why? The creative essence, only knowing itself, cannot create less. Then what if Jesus was conceived in a very normal way, Joseph his father? Well, I accept, of course, that this is the way it happened, because he came to fulfill the law, not to work at cross-purposes with it. In my mind, I also see within the story of Jesus turning the water into wine at the wedding feast in Cana as a story of his own wedding. I further subscribe to the belief that he, like we, made his entrance into this life in a very time-honored fashion, and like so many did so with a specific intention. Again, his words are accurately can be described as teaching as example and not exception. Then, what about salvation through Jesus, as so often is deemed and required by a deity who must continue to see everyone through the lens of sinner? Again, you, my reader, my listener, do not need salvation, for the real and true of you has never been lost. His message of insight and empowerment can be thought of, yes, to save us from choices that do not bring desired results into our life, but even these do not rise to the level of being acknowledged as a sin and all that implies. So join me again in a week for my next sharing prayer, what it is and what it isn't. And then, if it is wisdom for you, and only if it is wisdom, consider making a PayPal gift to my happy effort of sharing with you unity's logical understanding of life.